Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 28th July 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This week, large M&A deals and a regulatory review. Surprise at Roche's cardiovascular deal. BioNTech's multiple China partnerships. GSK preps for US RSV vaccine launch. And a look at the dynamic multiple myeloma market. The latest developments on Pfizer's $43 billion acquisition of CGen and Amgen's $27.8 billion purchase of Horizon Therapeutics will be closely watched when the drug makers report second quarter sales and earnings. While merger developments are important to stakeholders of all four companies, regulatory approval of those deals is also considered a bellwether for future biopharma M&A. Jessica Mel writes that's because two of the largest M&A deals to take place in the pharma sector since 2019 are coinciding with a newly tougher stance by U.S. regulators on market consolidation. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission and Department of Justice jointly released updated draft merger guidelines on 19th July that appear to take a harder line on M&A generally and lower the threshold for how they evaluate mergers for being anti-competitive. The FTC has taken a more aggressive view on consolidation and on pharma M&A more specifically since three Democratic commissioners assumed control. The agency already sought in May to block Amgen's acquisition of Horizon. The tough talk has industry experts trying to get a clearer sense of the regulatory environment for M&A in the US. The management teams at Amgen and Pfizer aren't likely to reveal much information about ongoing regulatory reviews but any updates to the expected timelines for closing the deals would be of interest. Both companies are scheduled to report second quarter financial results in the week of 31st July. Amgen's acquisition is facing more pushback so far after the FTC announced it would seek to block the acquisition of Horizon for an unexpected reason, with the agency citing Amgen's history of bundling rebates for drugs across its portfolio as being anti-competitive. The FTC filed a U.S. District Court complaint seeking a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction to block the acquisition in May, and then requested in a 14th July memorandum that the District Court issue a preliminary injunction by 31st October. Meanwhile, Pfizer and CGen announced on 14th July that they each received a request for additional information and materials from the FTC in connection with the agency's review of that proposed business combination. The effect of a second request for information extends the waiting period for the review, but the companies said they still expect the merger to be completed by late 2023 or early 2024. Roche has taken the surprising step of jumping into the cardiovascular space and teamed up with Alnilam Pharmaceuticals to co-develop and co-commercialise Zilibisiron. The RNA interference specialists keenly watched twice-yearly injection for hypertension. Kevin Grogan writes the Swiss giant is paying $310 million up front, while Alnilam is eligible to receive additional substantial near-term and development milestone payments over the next few years, as well as regulatory and sales milestones, adding up to a potential deal value of up to $2.8 billion. In addition, the biotech is entitled to an equal profit share in the US, where the firms will co-commercialise the drug, while Roche will sell the product elsewhere in exchange for low double-digit royalties. 
Zilbib Visiren is a subcutaneously administered RNAi therapeutic targeting angiotensinogen, the most upstream precursor in the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. It also inhibits the synthesis of AGT in the liver, potentially leading to durable reductions in AGT protein and angiotensin 2. The drug is now being investigated in a phase 2 program, either as a monotherapy, with initial results expected imminently, or in combination with one of three standard-of-care antihypertensives. The latter trial should read out in early 2024. Roche and Al-Nilam claim that Zilibisiron could potentially be a best-in-disease treatment, adding that the drug also has the potential to improve adherence due to its biannual subcutaneous dosing regimen and may be effective in additional potential cardiovascular indications. However, the deal has surprised some observers given Roche is not a big player in the cardiovascular therapeutics field. However, the firm's farm head, Theresa Graham, stressed our leadership in cardiovascular diagnostics and our global commercial footprint. Nevertheless, the deal perplexed some analysts. Richard Vosser at JP Morgan said in a 24th July note that while the upfront is not huge, we believe investors could question the rationale given Roche's limited presence in cardiovascular medicine. Overall, we struggle to see the strategic fit for Roche, given its limited track record in cardiology development and no established commercial presence in cardiovascular diseases. Biotheus is one of four Chinese biotechs now partnering with German mRNA specialist BioNTech to bring its innovative drugs to the global market. BioNTech, through the new alliances, appears to be betting on Chinese innovation to play a growing role in expanding its pipeline beyond highly successful mRNA vaccines, Brian Yang writes. The company is tapping the boom in newly established biotech startups and other recent collaborations that have showcased the potential of China's rapidly advancing capabilities in novel R&D. On 19th July, Biotheus announced it had granted Nasdaq-listed BioNTech a worldwide exclusive option to a preclinical stage bispecific antibody and a clinical stage monoclonal antibody for cancer. Additionally, the Chinese biotech also granted the German company exclusive licenses to existing panels of VHH binders, as well as new panels of VHH binders against targets designated by BioNTech, which will make undisclosed upfront and milestone-based payments and royalties. This followed another collaboration announced on 29th June, in which BioNTech and OncoC4 dosed the first patient in a study for a co-developed CTL4 targeting oncology agent. BioNTech agreed to pay $200 million upfront to Rockville US and Shanghai-based OncoC4 for the collaboration in March. The German firm has also recently formed two other alliances with local innovative biotechs in China, signalling strong determination to leverage the country's innovation ecosystem. On 11th July, Hangzhou-based Dua Bio announced that the BioNTech had signed a licensing agreement to use its platform technology for an undisclosed target. And back in April, high-flying Chinese antibody developer Duality Biologics also teamed up with BioNTech to develop antibody drug conjugate therapeutics for solid tumours. Duality granted the German firm exclusive rights to two assets for which BioNTech agreed to pay $170 million upfront and up to $1.5 billion in regulatory, development and commercial milestones, plus single to double-digit royalties. 
The string of deals shows that China is increasingly being viewed as a point of origin for biotech innovation, especially in biologics such as antibodies, bispecific antibodies and ADCs. Notably, unlike previous deals between multinationals and Chinese biotechs, nearly all of the assets under the BioNTech transactions are still at the preclinical stage, suggesting that platform technologies and innovation are being valued more than near commercial assets. GSK is gearing up for the launch of Erexvi, its respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, vaccine for older people, and is counting on efficacy data to persuade US payers of its value in ongoing contract negotiations. Andrew McConaughey writes, Erexvi is the UK headquartered company's most important launch for many years, as it hopes the vaccine can generate around $3 billion in annual revenues once it reaches its peak. However, it faces competition from Abrisvo, Pfizer's recently approved rival. Both RSV vaccines gained the backing of the key US Advisory Committee on Immunisation Practices last month, though the endorsement was not as strong as the companies may have liked, as questions were raised about the need for more safety and efficacy data in key at-risk groups. The committee also advised the vaccinations be considered via shared clinical decision-making involving a conversation between doctor and patient on risks and benefits, suggesting a lower importance than flu or COVID-19 shots, for instance. At the same time, both GSK and Pfizer raised their price ranges last month. Based on new longer-term efficacy data, GSK plumped for $200 to $295 and Pfizer for $180 to $270. GSK argued that the new data published in June showed Erexvi has durable efficacy for at least two full seasons in the 60 years and over population, including those with underlying comorbidities and across advancing age. Speaking on GSK's results call, company's commercial head, Luke Meals, confirmed for the first time that the wholesaler's acquisition cost for Erexvi is $280 per dose in the US, although US payers will try to negotiate confidential discounts to this cost. Analyst consensus figures forecast that GSK could generate $180 million in revenues in 2023, built around the fall respiratory virus season, with expectations of this growing to $570 million next year. Mills said he was very confident about the demand for the product in the US in 2023. But that will come down to negotiations currently ongoing with payers across the US, where Pfizer will be competing for contracts. The US giant has not yet confirmed its final wholesale price, but looks likely to undercut its rival on price based on its slightly less favourable data. Also making her debut on the GSK call was the company's new chief financial officer, Julie Brown, who took up the post on 1st of May, having moved from luxury fashion company Burberry although she has extensive pharma experience. Brown promised to focus on developing a competitive profit and loss performance at the company, while also enforcing a rigorous governance process on business development opportunities and in-house spending. She said one of her key jobs was to accelerate the key R&D assets by making sure they received the right level of resources. Finally, in a snapshot of the global multiple myeloma market, Alaric Diamond looks at top product sales, CAR-T shortages, combinations and new drug classes. 
He notes rapid change in the field, where small molecules that have long served as backbone treatments are going generic, new biologics with novel targets have rapidly become backbone treatments, and other drugs with new mechanisms have struggled to gain widespread acceptance. Not everything has been smooth sailing. While the two anti-BCMA CAR-T therapies approved for multiple myeloma, Bristol-Myers Squibb and 270-Biosabecma, and Carvicti from Johnson & Johnson's Janssen Oncology Division and Legend Biotech have revolutionized treatment of the disease, they have done so only for those patients who managed to actually obtain them amid a large backlog of treatment slots. J&J's CD38-targeting monoclonal antibody Darzelex has met expectations that it would become a backbone therapy in myeloma, but its chief competitor, Sanofi's Sarcleza, commands a far smaller share of the market. For the most part, the different drugs in myeloma have complemented rather than overlapped, even when they belong to the same class, with proteasome inhibitors, for example, being used in different lines of therapy. It was the introduction of generic versions of Velcade and then Revlimid that sparked more direct competition. Revlimid was long BMS's biggest cash cow, but after generics hit the market, its annual sales fell from $12.8 billion in 2021 to just under $10 billion in 2022. And the market entry of BCMA-directed immunotherapies, two CAR-Ts, one bispecific antibody and counting, has touched off more direct competition between products. While multiple myeloma remains incurable, the range of new therapies that has become available has turned it into something akin to a chronic disease, leading to the emergence of first two-drug, then three-drug, and now four-drug combinations. Check out the infographics supported article in full for a detailed breakdown of the main players and dynamics in this rapidly changing sector. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. Log in to access these stories in full, which are linked in the description below. Or if you're not already a subscriber, sign up for a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.